we are in terms of the, of the holy days, um, we're going to talk about repentance. I really do hope that, that before you leave today that you would have a new and a deeper understanding. And I'm going to use a word that you might not think that I would use in repentance. But I hope to leave you here with some joy in repentance. I know. So, Father, we just thank you again and we acknowledge you that you are the God and the master of the universe. We acknowledge you, Lord, that um, you give us all the giftings and all the things that we have come from you. Because without you, we are nothing. And so we ask you, Father, that you would guide my mind and my, my speech and the words that comes out, Father, that they'll be directed by you and that our hearts will be open to learn the things that you want us to learn today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So for those who were here on Thursday... We know that Thursday was Yom Teruah, right? Or for those, Rosh Hashanah. Um, and today is the Sabbath that precedes that. And this Sabbath is called Shabbat Shuvah. Now, I got to let you all know right now, I still struggle with Hebrew. I don't know what it is. It's something I got to pray about. Um, but, you know, when God was giving out gifts about languages, he kind of just bypassed me. He really did. He's like, you know, he don't need that. Uh, I can only speak English. That's about it. But anyway, so... So it's, it's really, in English, it's this Shabbat of repentance. Isn't it funny about God, though? Isn't it funny? My wife teaches Hebrew, right? I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. Well, I'm going to give you all a quick story. This is honest truth of the matter. We were taking Hebrew class together. Together. And, you know, the first four or five classes, I was doing good. Until they get to this place where you got to deal with what? I'm like, a what? How do you do that? It just messed my whole mind. And for whatever reason, I couldn't get past that. And then, you know, all these letters start looking alike to me, in my mind. I still don't know how you can look at some squiggly looking lines and make sense out of it. But... God has a sense of humor. And so um, we'll leave that alone. So, so here we are. We're in between Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur. Everybody knows that Yom Kippur, it's Shabbat coming up. And we know it's a time when we repent. And it's called the Day of Atonement. So just a quick little background. I know Pastor Ralph covered some of this the last time. Uh, 
Yom Teruah has become to represent the day of, of repentance also. It is a day when the people in Israel take stock of their spiritual condition and make necessary changes to ensure that the upcoming year will be pleasing to God. The rabbis stress that from the first day of Elul, which is last month, to the tenth day of Tishri, which is Yom Kippur, was to be a time of spiritual preparation. The period of time from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur is known as the ten day of penitence, or they say the ten days of all. And of course we know that during these ten days, we're supposed to do that deep self-examination. Of course we know in Jewish tradition, or in Messianic Jewish tradition, we are preparing ourselves to be priests before God on behalf of Israel. So that when we come to Yom Kippur, and if you've been here before, you know, we say all those prayers on behalf of Israel. But as we know, we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests before God. That's what the New Covenant Scriptures says. And if you know anything about the Old Covenant priesthood, you know that the priests had to sacrifice for his own sin first before he can make atonement for the people. So the priests didn't get out of repenting. The priests didn't get out of being right before God. And in fact, the priests could not minister unless they were right before God. We know that in the Holy of Holies on the day of Yom Kippur, which is the only time that the high priest would go in the Holies of Holies. I don't know if this is a true story, but it's Jewish kind of a, a Jewish kind of story. And maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I heard that what they used to do back in the day, they would tie a rope to the priest's ankle so that if he goes in there and he wasn't right and he gets struck down, they'll pull him back out because they ain't going in there because you don't play with God. Now, I don't know if that's a really true story, but um, it's kind of funny to me. So we know that the rabbis believe that on the day of Rosh Hashanah that three books are open in, in, in heaven. And we know that they talk about, you know, one book is for all those who are righteous. One book is for those who are, if you want to say wicked. And then there's one for a lot of folks who are kind of in between. And in this time between Yom Kippur, or time between Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur, that they would repent and get right before God so that their name can be inscribed in the book of life, not in the book of death. So what are we as believers to do 
during this period. So, you know, we're not, we're not back in Israel right now. You know, I don't got any rope around my, my ankle. There's no holies of holies in terms of the physical. We still are in the presence of the holies of holies. Well, the rabbis kind of had three things that they recommend that we do during this period of time. The three things are repentance, prayer, and charity. Think about those. Repentance, prayer, and charity. So today we will look at, we will look at repentance. And again, I would like us to think a little bit deeply as we go through the scriptures on repentance. Because we know that Yeshua gives us the commandment and that as believers, repentance is something that we will do until the day that we see Yeshua face to face. We have to be people of repentance. So then what is repentance? So here's my definition of repentance. And, and if you do a Google search on repentance, you will get all kinds of definitions of repentance. Just try it one day, do a Google search, and you will get all kinds of definitions. I actually did a Google search. And I got all kinds of definitions. Okay, but, but here's my definition. Repentance is a gift. Yeah, a gift. A gift of God that leads us out of sin and back into right relationship with God. Let me say that again. So we know repentance is not just feeling sorry for yourself. Repentance is not just changing your mind. First of all, as we'll see, you really can't repent truly unless the Lord grants you the grace to repent. That's why repentance is a gift of God that leads us out of sin and back to, into a right relationship with God. So, 2 Timothy 2, 24, let me get that. I'm going back to old school right now. My old school Bible, and um, this Bible is about 40 years old, probably a little more than that. But if we look at 2 Timothy 2, 24, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those who oppose him, if God perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who have taken them captive by his own will. So we see the repentance. What are we repenting from? Yeah, think about that, right? We're repenting. Well, we know that we're repenting from sin. And the book of James gives us a recipe for how we get into sin. 
So in, in order to really deal with this whole issue of repentance, I believe we need to understand a little bit about how we get to where we got to repent. How do we get there? Let's go and look at James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. James 1. Okay, James 1, 13 says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. So we see what I call a slippery slope of how we get into sin. And we also see that we can't blame God. You know, some people are, they get into an issue, they made a major mistake in their life. You pick one. I can pick one, but pick anything. And then they want to complain and want to know, why did the Lord made me do that? We just saw right here, the Lord ain't made you do nothing. Okay? You were smoking some stuff, ain't the Lord. All right? It's you of your own lust being drawn away and enticed by the things of the world and by something someone might have said to you that you're going to get to another level. Well, you may get to another level. It ain't the level that you sure want you to get to. So there's a point here that I want to really bring, bring out because when we understand how we get into this area of sin in our lives, and we understand that Yeshua says that if we sin, that we have an advocate, and that if we repent, that he will forgive us, and not only forgive us, but cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we'll get into a little bit more about this, about this repentance. So we see that we're drawn away by our own lusts, Let's bring forth sin. Now, Romans 5.12 says, this is supposed to be a familiar passage, that all have sinned. So if there's anyone sitting around here in Avat Yeshua that thinks that somehow this repentance thing is not for you, do I need to say anything more? It is for you. It says, all have sinned. Let's go ahead and read that real quick. So that was Romans 5, right? Romans 5, 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed unto all men, for all have sinned. And we know that the sin was because of the disobedience of our forefather, our parents. We are born in sin. We are shaping iniquity. So that, let's read also Psalm 51, 5. That brings out a little bit more. Oh, now, 
we will actually go back to this Psalm 51 later on as we, as we get through this. But Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So back to repentance. So what does this repentance mean? So I didn't really answer the full question yet. Kind of give a couple of answers. So repentance means to change one's mind. But we also see that the scripture says there's something that's called true repentance. True repentance. And I'm here to say that true repentance will also result in a change of action. So it's like if you were going north on 295, and you got a change of mind and a change of heart, you start going south on 295. It's that drastic. It's a change of mind and a change of heart. We know in Acts 26, I'll just kind of skip a few, but let's go to Acts 26. So keep that in mind, that it's not just one, one thing in terms of just change of mind. It's an action also required. Let's, let's, go, let's read a couple of verses. Well, let's, let's go to 19. Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but, sh but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the borders of, the Ju of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works fit of repentance. See that process right there? It's a process that you should repent Turn to God and then do works of repentance. Now, that reminds me of John the Baptist. We all know John the Baptist. When he was in the wilderness, he was baptizing folks. You know, John the Baptist was kind of, if you ask me, he was kind of a tough guy. He like, don't even come here trying to get baptized if you ain't got some fruits of repentance. I know for some folks, that'd be kind of rough. You're trying to repent, and he's telling you, but show me some fruits first. But you know, John the Baptist was wise. Because as we know, repentance, again, is not just about feeling sorry for something you've done. Many times people feel sorry, but they don't really truly repent because the other two key factors are not completed which is the turning towards God and then let God, the Holy Spirit, do the work in you. So recently, I had a conversation with a young man who got himself into some trouble. And he was very distressed. I mean distressed. And we talked about why he got himself into trouble. And he recognized that it was because of his own doing. But at the end of the day, I don't believe the young man repented. No, he was sorry for what happened. He was sorry, yes. But the repentance of turning to God 
turning to God. Remember we talked about that when I said repentance is a gift from God that leads us out of sin and leads us back to the right relationship with God. If that doesn't happen, you did not repent. You could cry. You could wail. You could say how much you were sorry. But if the inward turning to God does not take place, you did not repent. Uh, how is that for us? You know, we keep talking about people who get into trouble, but we're going to see a little bit later on how this applies to us today in the repentance that we need to do. I would challenge you right now and ask if do you truly repent of every area in your life that you find that you have missed the mark? Or do you sometimes make excuses for some areas that you like? Now, I'm standing here. That goes for me too. I'm not immune. I'm just as flesh as you are. We have to ask the deep questions as we will see a little bit later on. And I'm going to give you a little bit of hint where we're going to go. If you were looking for an example of repentance in the whole scriptures, let me show a little quiz out there. Where would you go and whose life would you look at? Hello, there we go. Love it. Well, just hold it for a little minute. Because I'm about to tell you, it's going to get deep. It may hurt a little bit. But think about the word of God, right? We know that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God convinces you. The word of God cuts. Cuts now. Cuts. It gets in between there. Yeah. And it hurts. But I'm here to tell you that if you repent in the right way, and I'm going to show you this, that there is a joy that you might not have experienced yet because you haven't repented in the right way. Now, again, I'm not trying to indict anybody. No, 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 no. No, I'm trying to raise your level of understanding of repentance that I hope that at the end of today, we will all grow in this area of repentance. So let's keep going then. So I would say that the full biblical definition of repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. Repentance is a key part of a believer's life. Now, get this one straight. It is a key part of your life. Key part. You know, well, you know what's, what's a key? When somebody says something is a key, it's important. You want to get in my house, you got to have my key. Right? A key is something that's important. It unlocks. You have to look at repentance of something that unlocks a mystery. That unlocks joy. That unlocks stuff that you just can't imagine. But if you don't do it, you ain't getting. You ain't getting them to get the goodies. So we will see about this 
this mystery of this unlocking that repentance will do for all of us. I'm about to say this. Repentance mm, never feels good. Start right there. And if it does, you're doing it wrong. Because repentance is deep. And it's serious. So keep that little nugget right there. So, you know, we don't follow God because something feels good. We don't follow God because something, you know, make us all squishy inside. We follow God because it's what God says. So here's my thing. Repentance is like nasty tasting medicine. Nasty. I mean, it just don't taste good. But the result, the result is what you're looking for. Um, <laughs> this is a true story. My, I got a brother who lives in Pennsylvania. We're going to New York a couple of uh, weeks ago, and we're driving in the car, and, and he said to me, you remember, I'm going to say the name. It don't mean nothing to you guys. He said, you remember Tizan de Dober? I'm like, Tizenda, who? I think he's talking about somebody's name. He said, no, you remember that medicine that, you, that mom used to give us? I said, that nasty tasting medicine? He's like, yeah. He said, you know, I found some in New York. I'm like, why are you looking for that? I'm thinking, I, I forgot about that way when I was a kid. This thing is black. I don't know how they make it. All I know is nasty tasting. He's going to remind me all of the blues. He says, why don't we go search and find some? I'm like, you want to find some? You kidding me? No, I want to find some. I said, why do you want to find some? Well, you know what? It's good for your blood. You know, he made us go to all these little stores because you can't find them in a regular store. Let me let you know right now. You got to go to these little out of the way a little store, man. I'm, the, I'm driving, you know, so I'm like, okay, tell me where to go because I don't know where to go. I'm just driving. We go, we find this thing. I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, you going to drink that? Yeah. I said, you know what? I'll get some too. No, no, seriously. So he convinced me. We're in the store. The owner guy at the store says to us, he says, uh, guys, you can't just take one bottle. I'm not going like, I can't take one bottle? He said, one bottle doesn't do it. He said, you got to take three. Three is the dosage that gets you perfectly clean. What do we do? We bought three bottles each. We don't know if he's lying to us or not. But the point I'm making here about this, medic, this medicine, so of course I brought it home I showed it to my wife. She's laughing at me. She just, she just totally laughed. I said, well, I understand. I understand. I understand. And I took the first sip of that medicine. I think I was back like I was back as a child. I was like, well, who in the world makes something like this? <laughs> so repentance is like that medicine. It don't taste good. It don't feel good. But it works. So let's look at uh, scripture um, 
Ezekiel 14.6. It says, Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourself from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abomination. This is God telling Israel, when you repent, you turn yourself away from all your idols and from all your abomination. Don't do like what Achan did. Don't sit on a few of your idols. Don't hide a few of your abominations. Don't overlook them. Don't make them less than what they are. It's a trick of the enemy. The enemy would want you to believe it don't really matter. Why are you tripping? God wants you to trip. Trip meaning be serious. Now, so if we repent, here's one of the things that you will know that if you repent. If you repent, you will have a sincere desire Desire to keep from engaging in the same sin in the future. So hear this. If you truly repent, you will have a sincere desire to not go back there. Now, you know, I can't kind of leave you there. I got to give you a blueprint about how you really repent. Nugget number whatever. If you try to turn from your sin in your own strength, you will fail. You and Superman, you may think you got it on the control. You will fail. Why do I say that you will fail? Because of Philippians 2.13. Philippians 2.13, which I call foundational, fundamental scriptures that you have to internalize, said it is God that works in you both to give you the will and the ability to do of his good pleasure. Who does that? It's God does that, not you. When did you become the master of your own domain? When did you make your own self? When did you have anything to do with how you got here? How did you suddenly think that you're going to make yourself right? Now, so I want you to combine Philippians 2.13 with Philippians 1.6. Because Philippians 1.6 now says that the work that God began in you who began the work? The work that God began in you, that he will complete the work in you. You combine those two together. Let me tell you something. For all those who are still trying to make themselves righteous and is struggling and frustrated and stressed out, you ain't give up yet and give it over to the Lord. You haven't come to the true realization that it is not your job to make you righteous. You're trying to do someone else's job, and you can't do it. How about Ephesians 2.10? Again, 
they should all be foundational. Right? So Ephesians 2.10, trying to remember it right now, that talks about that we are what? His workmanship. Created in Yeshua for good works that who has already done? God already done the works. What did you think Yeshua was doing on the cross? Think he was having a party? What do you think he was doing? He was doing all the works for you so that you could be righteous. You ain't got nothing to do but just believe. When Yeshua said it was finished, you think he was joking? You think he just said, I'm finished but except for Hilton. You know, he's going to do a few by himself because, you know, he's so good. I'm being funny, okay? I hope you all don't think I'm trying to say I'm good. Let me just get that clear. Or maybe you said, you know, well, Lamb, you know, Lamb got it all together, so, you know, we ain't going to worry. We're we going to do some for him, then he's going to do some for himself. No. God did it all. What is the new covenant all about? That we read all the way back in Jeremiah 31, 31? Didn't God basically say, okay, guys, you know what? You know what? I tried with y'all already. I tried. I give you a little... You know, I give you some, I tried. I knew you couldn't do it. He said, it's my job. Everything was I. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to cause you to walk in my way. I am the great almighty God. I am your deliverer. I am your sustainer. It's I am. If you haven't gotten to the point where you are really, you know what? I can't do nothing before I talk to I am because I ain't nothing. Look, I've been there, so I know what I'm about to tell you. There's one point in my life as a young believer, I used to struggle with, well, maybe I ain't prayed enough. Oh, maybe I need to pray four more hours. I ain't sing enough. I ain't, I ain't doing any good deeds enough. And it used to be a thing of, I'm trying to do all this stuff so that I can tell myself that I'm righteous. See, see, I'm trying to tell myself I'm righteous. Where Yeshua said, you are the righteousness of God in Yeshua. I'm already the righteousness of God in Yeshua. You don't try to make yourself righteous. And I don't want to get off on another tangent there. But I got to tell you that if you try to do this on your own effort, you will find yourselves, what am I saying here? Frustrated. So let's go into quickly why I repent. Acts chapter 30, no, Acts 17, 30 says, God calls all people everywhere to repent. All people everywhere. Second uh, uh, Peter 3, 9 talks about, we don't have to go and read there, but I got it there. talks about the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Furthermore, Yeshua declared in Luke 24, let's go ahead and look at the Luke 24 passage. Luke 24, 46. And you know what's funny? We haven't gotten to the good point yet. We haven't gotten to David yet. So we're going to have to speed it up. 
We haven't gotten there yet. We're about to get there. But let's look at, uh, let's look at Luke 24. Luke 24, 46. Yeshua said, thus it is written, and thus it, be, it behooves Yeshua to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, and ye are witness of these things. All nations. We know that Acts 8, 11, 18 talks about God grant repentance to all nations. Yeshua said he didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we said, you know, many people have a misconception of repentance. We talk a little bit about this. Um, you know, talk about sorrow is not repentance. Changing your behavior without changing your mind is not repentance. We also see early on that the ingredients, you can't have one without the other in terms of repentance. You have to have, and, and I, I find it interesting that the Greek word for repentance is made up of two words which one is change and one is mind. So that the mind must change to change one's behavior. See, think about this. If your mind is not renewed and changed, remember that it's the area that the enemy uses the most. He bombards your mind. And if your mind is not renewed and is not changed, in terms of understanding and knowing the word of God, then you will have a difficult time in terms of having that true repentance. So repentance is, is also modifying our understanding, reforming our intellect, and, and changing the way we think so that our behavior changes when our hearts are compelled by the love of Yeshua. A true believer will show works of repentance. When someone truly believes, that person will repent. And when a believer truly repents, the believer will, will obey the word of God. So, Yeshua said, remember therefore where you have fallen. Remember. Remember where you have fallen. He says, repent. Do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. That's in Revelation 2. Unless you repent. We know that when we, when we repent, that the angels in heaven rejoice. I say to you, likewise, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just person who need no repentance. So let's deal with, I want to show you now for the rest of the, of the teaching how to have joy in repentance. How to have joy in repentance. So to have joy in repentance I believe there's four things you have to do. 
So I'm going to go back and say, while repentance is arduous, humbling, and exacting, there is a genuine joy to experience with repentance. And now, let's look at the life of David, because that's where we're going to find it. David uttered words like these. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Okay, all of you know the story of David. I'll recap real quick. So we know, as we saw in the book of James, the book of James gave you the blueprint of what happened to David. The book of James says, Drawn away by his own lust. I saw lust, lust conceive, bring forth sin. We know what the sin was. Here is the danger of sinning and not even knowing that you need to repent at that time. You compound the sin. And then what happened you have to sin even more egregiously to cover the one you just did. Because sin don't play fair. It doesn't play fair. So we saw David, in order to cover up his sin, he now had to commit murder. And still didn't recognize. Because of course, I'm sure, he might have been thinking, well, I'm king. So I got some different rules, you know what I mean? I'm sure. You know what happens to people when they get in power most of the time? Power corrupts. So, so now we're going to look at these examples. So it would seem a little bit strange that repentance can produce both grief and joy. Both grief and joy. That David's bones can be crushed and yet rejoice is, what's the word it's in English? It's, uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm struggling for the word right now. It's a dichotomy. That's what I'm trying to find. But if you understand the word of God, you will know that that's just the way God works. This is consistent, what I call, with the flavor of God. That you choose, that you achieve life through death, joy through suffering. Right? God doesn't work the way the system of the world works. Let's remember that. God's job is not so much that you be happy. I know we all think that that's his job. No, 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 no. His job is for you to be righteous. We see that everything that, 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 that way God works seems opposite the way we work. Because if you were God, you would not think suffering and joy would go to, no, 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 no. Because, you know, we, we, don't, we don't want the suffering part. It's like, God said it's better to give than to receive. What foolishness is that? I mean, from a worldly standpoint. 
going to give away and I'm going to... How does that make sense, God? But it does. But it does. It does. Because in God's way of thinking... See, if you haven't come to the point of recognizing this, I know you will and you're probably already there. God is a miracle-working God. He's a miracle-working God. If he was not... Why would he be God and why would I want to follow him? I'm not following somebody who can't do some miracles for me. I could do that myself. What I need? Come on now. If you ain't excited about the God that you're following and always excited that he got a miracle that he's working for you right now, you will be frustrated. But you have to understand that he is a miracle working God. You have to understand that he can bring forth life from death. You have to understand that he can bring forth joy from suffering. You have to just understand this. Or else you'll be a miserable believer. I'm sorry, but you will be. You got to get with the program. It's called the God program. And the God program doesn't work like your program. It seems like when the... When it's more stacked against you, hello, oh, is when he wants to come through. And of course, you know, you have these Red Sea moments all throughout your life. That's a whole nother sermon. But let's go. Okay, so first of all, you have to fully acknowledge the weight of your sin. So that, I said four things, right? Number one, fully acknowledge the weight of your sin. So before David could ask for the joy, let's go to Psalm 51 real quick. We just got to go there. I'm running out of time. I'm going to kind of come back and try to make this a quick landing. So Psalm 51. Oh man, if you haven't read Psalm 51 a gazillion times, I'm going to tell you, you need to just go back there, spend some time in Psalm 51. It does some cleansing unbelievable. Doesn't it? It's like you go, oh, have mercy upon me, O oh God, according to thy loving kindness, according to all the multitudes of thy tender mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. And my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil. And I said, I thought you sinned against Bathsheba. I thought you sinned against uh, Uriah. What, what's he talking about? See, David recognized a truth. That every sin is against God. It ain't about what you did with anybody else. That thou mayest be justified when thou speakest. He recognized that God is justified in the penalty for sin. If you're still struggling with that, get over it. I'm sorry. God is justified in the penalty of sin. You got a problem, go take it up with God. Behold, I was shaken in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. Behold, thou desirest truth. In the inward parts and in the hidden parts, thou makest me to know wisdom. 
purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And then, then when you go through this, then you can hear the joy and the gladness that thy bones that has broken may rejoice. Okay. So we see, uh, where was I? Um, okay. So we see that David fully acknowledges sin. He acknowledged the weight of his sin. He said, against you only have I sinned, none to see of my sight. The joy of repentance flows directly out of the grief of repentance. Thus, in repenting, we must fully acknowledge the weight of our sin and face squarely, without excuse or evasion, the depth of guilt before a holy God. Just be real. You know, doesn't he already know? What you faking? This means, first, that we measure... Here's the thing. You don't measure your sin based on human factors. Just as David prayed, against what? Against the only have I sinned. You measure your sin against a holy God that requires a holy people. You don't measure your sin against somebody else who done that sin. Well, so-and-so done that. Wrong. Wrong. Okay, I got to go real quick. So after you have acknowledged your sin, you boldly claim the promise of grace. So let me explain if, 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 if this had missed anyone. That the sin that you repent of from a day-to-day basis are already forgiven before you even repent. Slow down right there. Let me explain that. Now, you might still have to bear the consequence of the sin for the time and also perhaps the Lord's discipline, but because of the justifying blood of Yeshua, your status with God never wanes or waxes up and down because you are justified by the blood of Yeshua. So it's not, like, it's not like when you sin and you repent, you're being saved all over again. No, no, no. You, once you make that commitment to God and God transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you are justified before God. Now, I don't have time to go through the whole thing about sanctification and different kind of sanctification. But let me just say this. The sin that we go through in our lifespan as we go through this journey is what I call, we have to go to what's called practical, progressive sanctification to get you to be righteous. It's like, for example, okay, let me give you a quick example. We all see this in the world, right? If you're a, I'm going to use an engineer just because, if you're an engineer, you're an engineer, right? But you go through training years and years and years to Perfect your craft for you to become a master of engineering. It's the same thing you go to as a believer. 
You are a believer. You're a believer. You're right with God. But you go through this period of training to get you to become after the full measure of the stature of Yeshua that takes you a lifetime. And there will come a time when Yeshua returns that we will be fully integrated and fully have our resurrected body. But in the meantime, as we sin, we have to repent. Now, there's another area that we have. So I said that was two. I'm kind of short circuiting this right now. Number three, involve other people as appropriate. I believe this is one area that believers do not use because of immaturity. I'm going to say it right now. Hello. If God tells you a way of dealing with sin in your life, like it or not, isn't it his blueprint? No. We know that the sincere repentance is mainly a vertical thing. But God also said that we're supposed to confess our sins one to another and pray for one to another so that we can be healed. Now, I've heard every, don't let me, every excuse in the world why people don't want to do this. And here's what I'm about to tell you. You are missing out on some cleansing. You are missing out on some joy. You are missing out because what? You're too prideful. I'm going to say it. You don't want to let anybody know what you're going through. Because you got this attitude that it's just me and God. Well, yes, it's you and God. But God put you in a body for a reason. And it's to humble your little behind so that you can understand that you ain't just got this ones up with you and God. I know. I know I'm hurting y'all. I'm sorry. I believe if believers would, would actually practice this more, they will see so much release of power in their life. You know why? Because you're humbling yourself. Now, again, I can't preach on this in detail right now. I'm not telling you willy-nilly go talk to everybody, tell them all what you said, what you just did last night. I didn't say that. But on the flip side, if you're not making use of this, you're shortchanging yourself. The last area is sometimes we forget you need to meditate on Yeshua's intercession for you. Then Yeshua says that even right now, he's interceding for you. So when you go to repent, I want you to visualize that Yeshua is there repenting for you to the Father. What else you need? Here is Yeshua. He helping you out. He's saying, come here, my son. I got you. I got you to big papa. I got you to daddy. You just come on. What you waiting for? Most of the time, we waiting for what? You run to the father. You run to repent. You make repentance to be serious. And watch and see the joy that you will have once you do it. So, got to close. So, I, 
what, how does this apply to us now? Now we know that comes Yom Kippur, we are going to be interceding for all of Israel. How about practicing right now for these next 10 days? Well, not 10, next how many, six or seven days? How about practicing with yourself? How about getting yourself ready? How about being that priest before God? How about coming before God and say, God, I want to repent because I want to be ready for Yom Kippur when I'm going to come before you, Lord, and I'm going to be like Yeshua is for me. I'm going to be that person for the Jews. You get it? Do I need to say it over again? Okay. Just like I was just talking about what Yeshua does for you. Remember, Yeshua is our heavenly father. Yeshua is our mediator. Yeshua goes before the father and he says that he groans for us. And we are supposed to do the same thing for his people. We're going to practice this. Because I know Ralph is going to do this. We do it every, every, every Yom Kippur. Don't we go through all the prayers? Don't we go through all the stuff? I hope it doesn't become rote to you by now. It's serious stuff. We're interceding. But I'm here to tell you, you can't intercede unless you get clean. You can't intercede and repent unless you repent. You would just be faking. So I'm here to say, as I close this up, can't go any further. I want you to look at repentance in a new light. So first of all, just to kind of, you know, bring it back, but to, to, to emphasize the main points, repentance is a good thing. Anything God gives to us is a good thing. Though it may hurt, and I ain't saying it ain't going to hurt sometimes. You know, if you, if you have, have, have for a long while hadn't forgive somebody and you're just holding it on because it feels good because I'm, you know, when you come to that deep repentance, it's going to hurt because God's going to require you not to just repent to him. You got to make it right. And a lot of times that's hard. That's where rubber meets the road. When you got to make it right. When you got to make that relationship go. Repentance is tough. Repentance is hard. But repentance is cleansing. And there is a joy that comes after you repent in the right way. As we saw what happened with David. Now you can't be anywhere worse than David was. Okay. So if you want to kind of like measure yourself when you're trying to repent. And you're like, well, uh, you know what? I got one up on David. I ain't killed nobody. I'm just being funny with you. Just so that you kind of get yourself in the right frame of mind that we need to look at ourselves. And if there are any errors in your life that you have fall short, run to the Father. Yeshua is waiting for you. He want to help you. Come here. I'm helping you to get to the throne of the Father. So repentance is a good thing. Repentance can bring joy. So I want you to look at when you're repenting that there's a joy that's coming. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Guys, literally, you will feel a physical cleansing in your physical body. 
Okay? So, Lord, I just, I just thank you, Father, for the, the word that you bring forth today. I just pray, Lord, that we will internalize and remember and walk it out, Father, that you would cleanse us all so that we can do the work of the priests on Yom Kippur. In Yeshua's name, amen.